No, it's, it's not like Rogan, but like it's, it, yes, it is a podcast, yeah. Hello everyone, my name is John Russos and this is the Here's My Thing podcast. Uh, before we get to today's episode, I'm gonna do a couple of things. First, I'm gonna light a candle. And, and so if you have a candle right now and you wanna light it with me, now's your time. All right, nice. Second, I want to take a moment to thank every single one of you who listens to this podcast. I don't do this enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the support. I can feel it. I am very grateful for it. This podcast is almost, I think it's actually over two and a half years old. And I know there are some of you who have been here since the very beginning, a time where I was talking about chest hair and getting juice instead of coffee and, and succulents and, and Christian Bale's beard on Sundays. And I would talk in voices like this sometimes. And I would talk, you know, I would talk like this sometimes. The, the fact that some of you are still listening after that, thank you. No words. Thank you. And to anyone who is new to the podcast, this might be your first episode, first couple of episodes, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And to everyone who even just gave it a shot, might not be your thing, and I totally get it. Thank you. The, the support, I, I feel it. I value it. I'm very grateful. For, I, excuse me. I'm very grateful for it. But with that being said, Enjoy. They'll tell you that not having sex is the best form of birth control, uh, to which I disagree. Unequivocally, the best form of birth control is getting barbed wire tattooed around your arm. And not the tasteful barbed wire tattoos, I'm talking about the ones that come on arms with permanent farmer's tans, on bodies with eyes that you're not sure what color they are because they're always taking cover behind tactical Oakleys. More than just an international sign of road rage, this type of barbed wire tattoo might be a stronger deterrent than the MAGA hat. It's something that heightens the senses quicker than smelling salts. I should know. I knew someone with that very type of tattoo. I first considered that he got it done in good, ironic taste, but then he started to use the word badass to describe anything that society has paired with testosterone. Guns, knives, cars, shitty edits of eagles with the American flag in the background. His name was Keith, the man with the tattoo. I sold him Adderall for a couple weeks, and I think he thought that that meant something. Keith may have quite literally been the exact opposite of anyone who I'd ever want to associate with. He looked like the older, sober Vince Neil, in the sense that maybe he was athletic in his youth, but his metabolism has since slowed down and a diet of consistent and saturated fats had cut up to him. He dressed with a discipline only found in Catholic schools or cartoon characters. There was a remarkable repetition to his wardrobe, strictly wearing a certain crinkled khaki short and white tank top where the only sort of variation came from the generic slogans on it. I just want to fish and lead me to the grill. I'll handle it from here were his personal favorites. We had a class on geodes together where we would sit next to each other three times a week for 55 minutes at a time. I thought this was the extent of our relationship, but it just wasn't the case. He always made it a point to approach me whenever he saw me. A hello would have sufficed, but he felt to make his presence known by punching me in the arm first. And he was always sweaty, which I suppose explains the tank tops and not that this helped his image of being a walking vat of septic fluid. Keith was disgusting perpetually congested, always trying to summon mucus from the back of his throat. I passed him my paper once to review a homework answer, and he returned it damp with what looked like hot Cheeto-dusted fingerprints. One too many times, he'd say that I had to hear a certain song, so he'd offer his headphones and, and ones that might as well have been coated in Maker's Mark earwax. 
Luckily, it was always and only something by Machine Gun Kelly, so I just tell him that it hurt it already. Keith also wore one-strap backpats, the padded Jansport branded kind. It's something that I think should only be worn by those initiated with JavaScript or C++, but to each their own. And the one-strap backpack itself, it actually wasn't that big of an issue, but the cloud of entitlement that came with it was. He'd chirp. That's where you're getting back pain and Advil in bulk. But not me. This is called a sash pack. Look into it. This did get annoying, but from the consistent chafing that he received from the strap on the exposed parts of his skin that came with his dedicated wear of tank tops, I was able to tolerate it. Where Keith really tested me was when he talked in class. Though he had many flaws, by and large, his worst was that he had no control over his volume, as if he was having to talk over the never-ending rumble that comes with a healthy V8 engine. If Keith was preaching the word of God or regurgitating the remarkably generic content you find in the darker corners of LinkedIn, this wouldn't be that much of a problem, but this was far from the case. If his worst flaw was that he was loud, his second worst was that he had no filter. If there was one, it was a wet piece of tissue paper to whatever Brita is made of. His situational awareness was so poor, I was on the silent floor of the library one time when he felt the need to all but yell that he was horny. I turned around to give the students both a look that said, I'm sorry and please help me, but they just chuckled and went back to writing. Dude, this is the library, I yell whispered back to him. And how's that supposed to help me, he said back. It was a guarantee that he would talk loudly wherever he was. The question was whether or not he'd say something disgusting at high volumes. That's what would keep me on edge in class. That's what would keep me at the ready. There was another time where our professor was detailing the iron oxides that play a part in the coloring of specific geodes when Keith had the audacity to tell me that he had finally watched The Office. He added, My favorite character is the nerd, Dwight Schrute. Had our class been in an auditorium, I would have pulled my hoodie over my head and sunk beneath my chair, but the classes at U of E are better put as pods. There's only nine of us in the room. Everyone heard that, and everyone laughed. I stopped selling to him after this, thinking that maybe without me supplying his attention span, he'd quit paying it to me. Maybe now I could read up in peace without having a brace for a blow to the arm or for someone to loudly tell me when they're feeling sexually urgent. Instead, things only became more frequent. What was a weekly basis became daily, what were jabs to the arm became hooks, and, and what were revelations about the office became revelations about Parks and Rec. I'd panic wanting to yell at him to say, Keith, shut the fuck up. But that's not me. Sometimes I'd skip off to the bathroom to splash water in my face and, and tell myself that that hadn't just happened. But his random interjecting out loud thoughts would sometimes happen right after I'd used the bathroom, so I'd be forced to parry them away with comments like, let's talk about this later, or, oh, really? My defense was nothing more than a mild-mannered ointment to a highly volatile and reactionary rash. Our professor, Mr. Lewis, didn't help. I thought after a few outbursts, law would be laid down, yet there was anything but that from him, daring to only say, Keith, come on. Where, where was I? So geodes. Each failed disciplinary attempt, I, I'd bite my cheek and crinkle my paper and whisper, tenure, under my breath. People would tell me to switch seats, and I would tell them that I had tried. People would tell me to ignore him, and I would tell them that I had tried. Maybe he means well as how I'd end these conversations, then change the subject to something else. 
And I really thought Keith might have meant well until I caught him peeking at my answers during the multiple choice portion of our midterm exam. Had he made seven fewer remarks about his one-strap backpack, I may have helped him pass, but no, this is what he got. It didn't take long for him to notice that I wouldn't budge, so he began to poke me in the ribs with his pencil over and over again, trying to get me to break form to give him a window of opportunity to see how many times I'd answered the letter D. It didn't help that Mr. Lewis was in another universe, watching something on his desktop with his headphones on, leaving us with one instruction, that being to not talk. I brought my right knee up into my chair, creating a shield, and with that, hoping that the tissue on my thigh would discourage Keith's efforts. It did in some way, but it just had him to resort to calling up stubborn mucus from the back of his throat, fishing for a loogie with what sounded like unforeseen grip strength. In my opinion, the most disgusting part about it was that he didn't care he was making everyone in the room nauseous. The sick fuck was after my answers and that was it. What's that quote from The Dark Knight? Some people just want to watch the world burn? That applied here. Why I was contorting myself, keeping my innards from coming up for a class that didn't even matter, I wasn't sure. I had most of the tests done and had rushed myself to the conclusion that a 70% would be fine. I filled in the spaces randomly for the last bit and had enough of Keith for this portion. I submitted my test, then went to refuel with an everything bagel at the trolley and the quad. It double toasted with butter is how I enjoy them. The writing section wasn't until the next afternoon, so I take the rest of the day to mosey through notes, being thankful that this class was mainly dependent on participation before cramming later that evening, or so I figured. I did away with the wax paper and laid into the most consistent treat that I knew when I realized that I left my phone in the classroom. This meant no Snapchat story of the bagel, but still a plus to finishing early. I'd meander back with more than enough time to get my phone and maybe brown-nose Mr. Lewis while I was at it. My hands buttered, I opened the door with my hips. And here he is, Mr. Lewis, coming back to the scene of the crime they always do. Is this true, John? Mr. Lewis asked in a very Mr. Lewis way. Were you cheating off Keith? What? I said. This was shocking. An odd turn of events. Mr. Lewis was giving the time of day to the man who interrupts class essentially to let them know that he is a Netflix account. Oh my gosh, he's answering with a question. Maybe he should just go to the dean's office now, huh, Mr. Lou? Keith said with a smirk. Mr. Lewis brought his palm to his face. John, I don't need this right now. He exhaled as Keith slipped me a middle finger out of our professor's view. Go to the dean's office. You're flunked or on academic suspension. I'll, I'll let them handle it. As it turned out, the dean was less Mr. Lewis-ish, making things easier to navigate. My case was the pencil jab marks at the ribs and the testament of his constant disruptions. Our answers were too far different to proof any sort of cheating as well. So while I passed the class, Keith did throw in the Adderall piece and I wasn't able to clean up the drug dealing. Even though my defense was stout, labeling it as a facilitation of attention retention, they didn't buy it. It was only after an apology from Mr. Lewis and a quick stint on academic suspension that I was back in class learning about upper-level geodes with an empty seat next to me. Everyone, my name is John Russos, and this has been another installment of the Here's My Thing podcast. Thank you for rocking with me. Until next time.